Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. Greetings, Earthlings. Uh, Welcome to Voices from the Real World. I am here today with Katie Doyle. Um, hello, Katie. Hello, Bobby. How are you doing this fine, rainy, wet afternoon? You know, I'm all the better for seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Katie, uh, first, um, you were part of a community profile cohort that took place a couple of years ago um, that was for the chronically ill and people who took care of people who were chronically ill. Is that right? That's correct. And in fact, you took care of um, one of the true superstars of Portland Theater in the past few years, um, Tim Stapleton, mm-hmm. you know, who is no longer with us. Yes. God rest his soul. I had the privilege of being the caregiver for him and came from Michigan. And uh, we had worked together in uh, Equity House, Boar's Head Theater, which is no longer uh, in existence. Oh, really? That's right. It got closed at 49 years. Um, Ouch. Yeah, it was very, very sad. But, um, you know, there's there's change always. And, uh, you know, it made me, when I left the theater, search for other things to do. Is that a recent um, development? Did that just happen? No, it was about uh, six or seven years ago. Well, kind of recent. Yeah, that's, that's, that's too bad. Um, mm-hmm. And... Tell me a little bit about yourself. So you, how'd you wind up at Foresight? What was going on before then? Uh, well, uh, I you was are born, originally from. Yeah, I well, I was a, I was born in Fort Dix, New Jersey, but I'm originally an army brat. So my family kind of lived all over the world. We were in Okinawa for a time, Germany, um, uh, East Coast of the United States, Michigan, Ohio, um, and some other places in between. Right, and, because I lived some of that life. Like I've I've been the McGuire. I was in yes. McGuire, which is connected to Fort Dix. Yes. We so, talked about that the last right. time you and I got together. Right. So how did you get from Army Brat to theater? Well, I'd kind of always been in, interested in theater. And uh, I think in, uh, you know, I was one of those kids that uh, we have a garage, so let's put on a play. <laughs> you know, and and being this is the time of the year, the holiday season, and I being raised Roman Catholic, um you know, my four siblings, 
uh, the four of us would say, hey, let's do the nativity. And, you know, brothers and sisters can be under the kitchen table and we'll use the dog as a donkey. And, you know, and I would make little tickets and charge my parents. And so, you know, for the performance. And that was kind of always a part of my uh, milieu, as it were. <laughs> were your parents artists? Uh, you know, my dad was a military man. Uh, he ended up getting his master's degree in human behavior and child psychology. Um, so he was sort of more type A personality. Gotcha. And But my mother uh, was an English teacher and an artist. And um, she got her degree in both of those. Um, and uh, she was always the impetus to my father sort of... Um, I think appreciating it because his daughter did it, but not quite getting it sometimes. <laughs> I did, I did, uh, when I was in high school competition, I think it was my senior year, I did uh, The Jewish Wife by Bertolt Brecht. And so in that play, the wife is on for 25 minutes mm -hmm. before the husband comes on for the last five minutes. Yeah. And in high school, I did it. We had just come back from Germany, my, the beginning of my junior year. And I did it with a German accent and smoked a cigarette on stage and all this other stuff. And my mother told me this story um, that they sat there for 10 minutes and my father nudged my mother and said, when's Katie coming on? And my mother wow. turned to my father and said, Mike, that's your daughter. Sort of after that, things changed. Yeah, yeah. And then when say, I did got your dad get it after that? Yeah. Yeah, and then when I got my first professional job, um, he sort of said, are you going to make enough money to live? And I said, well, I think so. And he said, well, all right then. And he never teased me after that, you know? Yeah. He teased me lovingly. But. Right, sure. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting if, you're, uh, if your parents don't have a arts background, they're... Uh, reaction to I think theater in particular, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, and it, it's like, uh, like I said, you know, my dad was also a military guy, but but he's a great singer. He's he's still a great singer, you know. Um, uh, and he, it was the same kind of thing with him. He was like, so are you going to be able to pay your bills? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and so, um, uh, so. You were, uh, so your dad had this great revelation. And so how did you go from there to working at this theater in Michigan? Uh, well, I, I went away after my first year in college. I sort of took a break. Um, and I went to the Grand Canyon and lived and worked for a year. And my parents during that time had moved to Michigan. Uh, my father was retiring from the military. And so I came back after the Grand Canyon and was kind of looking for things to do, took some college courses, I found out I was had skills in costuming and properties as well, being creative. I do found out Dutch art as an adult and things and write. And um, this professional theater lost their their properties designer and said, hey, you want to come over and do this for us and we'll we'll pay you and I said uh-huh <laughs> of course I do and I ended up at that theater getting um, you know my union card I did my internship there and Boar's Head for me was always a gift because 
I would go away. I would go to Florida or I would go to Chicago and do jobs and things. And um, I would come back to Michigan to visit my parents or to stay for a time. And there would always be a job for me there. And so, you know, I worked there on and off for 20 years, almost, I think 18, 20 years. You found a home. I found a home. I found a home. God bless John Peaks and Richard Thompson. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like <laughs> so directors. so many artists like they would be happy just if they have that. Mm-hmm. If they have if they have a place that they call home, then they're mm-hmm. then they'd be all good. Yeah, and my last my last gig there was as the associate director of the theater to Christine Thatcher, who is a wonderful Jefferson Award winner uh, from Chicago uh, playwright, and she moved to Michigan, which was home for her too. And she said, "Hey." I've never been an artistic director before. Do you want to be the associate director? And I said, I've never done that before. Let's do it together, you know, the two of us. And it was wonderful for the last couple of years, yeah. three years. So you were um, in, this, in this great place for 20 years. Mm-hmm. How did you wind up on the West Coast? Well, back to Tim. Um, he was the uh, scenic designer when I was at Boar's Head um, during that properties job. And we had always remained friends. I came out to visit him many, many years ago with a, a mutual friend, Mike Ponnell. And uh, we stayed for about a week, and I really loved Portland. And later he was diagnosed with ALS. And he came back several Christmases ago and said, Katie, would you be interested in being my caregiver in Portland? My mother had just passed um, about... 10 or 11 months before that. And he said, I think your mom would want it. My mother and he shared a great uh, spiritual bond, artistic and spiritual bond. And I said, okay, you need me, let me know. And he did. And so I've been here for about four years now. He passed last July. Right. Yeah, Tim was a great guy, very respected in the Portland theater community, for sure. Um, uh, both for his art, which was tremendous, and just for who he was as well. You know, a really good person. And I got to meet wonderful people like you. I saw you and Jesus in the (laughs) A-Train, which you were fabulous. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And got to meet a bunch of wonderful other theater folk whom I adore, and I just feel like it's been a gift to get to know all these people um, through Tim and then through my own relationship with Tim after... After he passed, so um, several of the people from the unconditional play that profile did, which is uh, what came of that writer's workshop that we, we were speaking of before, um, are still friends. And oh, cool! I love that. Cool, Jessica Ann, who you've had an interview with, right. and Jeanette Williams, who I think you're going to have a, an interview with, and so it's been it's been quite an extraordinary experience living here. Good. Um, yeah. Good. And um, uh, we have to find a way to see if we can't get you on stage. I think we talked about last time, <laughs> you know, out here, you know, start putting your name out. I would love it. Um, as I've gotten older, one of the things that I, I've done is uh, in Michigan before I left for 12 years, I was uh, uh, one of the coordinators. Uh, for, there were four of us each year that coordinated this um festival called the Renegade Theater Festival. And the second or third year into it, we um, created a program called Now, which is Renegade New Original Works. So we started submitting for plays with this festival where we brought in 
professional theater, community theater, family theater, um, and um, educational theaters. And we sort of housed them all in uh, what was called the Old Town, what still is called the Old Town District in Lansing, which is the arts district there. And the businesses would open up their doors and these theaters or performance artists or whatever would go in, do their work and for two weekends and then leave. And and so it was really wonderful to also start this um, playwriting festival, too, mm-hmm. which the last couple of years of that, we started getting work from all over the world. And um, so hand in hand with that, I started writing plays um, I'd always sort of written my whole life poetry and things, but it was very personal. I never really got it out there. Um, but these plays, um, both by Renegade Now and the ones that I wrote and decided to produce, um, mostly staged readings, um, but nevertheless they were done and put out to the community. They were very well received, and it was just a great gift. The Renegade Theater Festival was a great gift. That, too, is no longer in existence. Right, right. Because of the pandemic. Right. It's going to take a bite. It is, Bobby. It is. So during your time at Community Profile, Mm -hmm. um, you did some work yourself. Uh, Would you like to read some of it today? Yes. I would would love that opportunity to do that. (laughs) Let me see here. And this first one that you had, you said, uh, was was this the one that you you think you did with E.M. Lewis? Uh, yes, I think it was transformation. Hold on, let me. I have my lovely computer up here. I'm not the most electronically savvy. Yes, with the M. Lewis. This is, uh, I think the prompt that she had given us on this was people start in one place and they change into something else. Right on. Transformation. The fall had knocked the breath out of me. I hurt a bit. How long had I been lying here? I opened my eyes, nothing. I closed them for a long time. When I open my eyes again, my vision is colored in shades of gray. I think, this is probably because of the fall. The color will come back when I feel better. I close my eyes now and rest them. Ah, but my ears... My ears were sharp and can hear the flakes of snow shifting on the crevice above me. And as I sniff the frigid air, I realize that my nose has grown. And I think, well, this is impossible. Your nose doesn't just grow when you take a fall. Maybe you're like Pinocchio. Somehow you're not being true to yourself. I reach up and touch my nose, not with my hand, but with a paw. My nose is covered in fur. It's long and slender and covered with a a soft, thick fur. Nope. No, no, no. This This is not happening. I open my eyes and the watery sun seems to on the wane now, still gray. And I think I am hungry. It's getting dark. I run my rough tongue along my sharp teeth and decide, no, though, it's time for a nap. So I curl up in a ball, a ball of lush red bronze fur with a stunning white-tipped tail. And tucking my nose into that tail for warmth, I dream of spring grass and stretching out in a low bow to the warm and welcoming sun. That's 
fantastic. It's almost like a Grimm's fairy tale turned inside out. Like you're getting it from the from the other guy's point of view. You, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, I love that you say that. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Compassion, the desire to help. It's part of Portland's DNA. It's also at the heart of what Central City Concern does every day. Last year, they helped over 13,000 people experiencing or at risk for homelessness get back on track, providing health care, housing, and employment opportunities. But they can't do it alone. Go to their website at centralcityconcern.org to learn how you can be part of the solution. And we are back with Voices from the Real World. It was a pleasure to write in this in this workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to write. It was a pleasure uh, for, I think, us to share our stories, you know, just uh, on that plane. But the fact that we got to write and then uh, several of these uh, folks who were terminally ill got to be on stage and share their personal right. stories was an extraordinary thing. And Josh and, you know, everyone there were just great. And, uh, and for that, ma- and in that, um, to that point, it feels like it's a perfect, uh, prompt for that group, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, this idea of you were one thing and now you're becoming another, you know, <sighs> I have chills. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yeah, I I I love that. You know, I also think like there's some wit behind it, you know, uh, and some wonder and mystery, you know. But uh, I, I, but one of the things I find really fascinating about that play about that um, about that piece is that I never wonder how. You know, I also just like go with the, like I go with the the speaker. Mm. You know, it's like it's just happening. Mm-hmm. To her, and and she's just accepting it, and so I'm just accepting it. I'm not wondering, well, how is this even happening? You know, is she dreaming? You know, um, though it has a very dreamlike quality to it. That's a wonderful that you say that. Just kind of being accepting of people's stories where they are, right? You know, right? Sure, sure. Poetry, reading, reading, um, you know, novels and uh, short stories and things, and kind of <laughs> going along with that journey. And also people, when they talk with us, just going along with their journeys, you know, and kind of being more accepting. I think, don't you, that we need a little bit more of that right now, especially? You know, and it's funny. Uh, yes. It's first first <laughs> of all, yes. Yes is the easy answer. Um, I think the, the I know for myself, the muscle that I have to rem- remember is for myself to be willing to accept other people's stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think about it's the other guy <laughs> who uh, needs to be more accepting, more, more tolerant, more w- w- whatever that word is. And then I miss my own blind spots, mm. you know, um, which of there, of which there are many, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Right. Me too. Yeah. It's uh, and you have to take a moment and, Gauge and think about that, and think about how you want to respond. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, it's really hard when you think like the world being a better place uh, um, for, the, for for me to be an instrument of that. I have to start with myself. Mm-hmm. Like, whoops. And change is hard. And change is hard. <laughs> you got another piece you wanted to read for us today? 
Sure. Let me see. Let me get out of this. This is called Oh Brothers and Sisters. The fields are ripe and fertile waiting. You see? They wait for what we give. We have been walking forever. It is almost dawn, and besides the fields, the edge of the forest draws us with the rich smell of cool, dark earth. Something secret. And yet... Sisters, sisters, gather round, and you brothers too, even if you don't understand. As Oberon once pled, and we ask of you, be as thou wast wont to be, see as thou wast wont to see. Nature, she calls us. The time has come to lay our bodies down on this rich soil, exhausted I know each of you are, and rest. And, if only for a moment, to listen. Time to let the earth feed our souls. Together, we watch the sun slide its way up, up into the sky, and then, looking back around our solid feet, lying in that soft, warm sunlight, tiny secrets poke their heads out, ever, ever rising. We breathe. Hail to you, white trillium, show us the way. Hail to you, yellow ice crocus rising. Hail to you, too, fragrant purple hyacinths. And, looking further out, we whisper in our hearts, Hail to the wintergreen and the long, thin-stemmed lilies of the valley, soon to be topped with crisp white caps. Hail to you, orange daffodils, colorful mosses, early willow buds, and tawny hell-born roses. We take a moment more, sisters and brothers, you who join us true, in the peace of the morning, and we begin like the flowers, always returning, and we rise, rise, remember always we rise together to begin a new day. Whoa! That piece is so strong. It is. It sounds like a prayer, you know, to me. To me, I know. I think we talked about this last. Like, I, I think it has this really like spiritual. Um, just like the, the the whole thing, it feels like um, earth magic, you know. Um. Excuse me, Bobby. You make my heart smile. Um, <laughs> truly, uh. Yeah, spiritual. I, I mentioned before I was raised Roman Catholic. I, I don't practice any longer. I honor people who do, but I think uh, spirituality is still a very fundamental part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, maybe it is a prayer. I never thought of that before, but maybe it a is prayer, a prayer. An incantation. An incantation. You know, because I, I, I was having the, this, this uh, sounds like a prayer before you mm -hmm. got to the hail part. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, you know, um, you know it's uh, you know it's funny that you mentioned uh, Oberon, you know, because um, you know like part of what makes that place so great, I feel like, is um, uh, just just how far Shakespeare goes with the magic of these in, of these mm -hmm. people. You know, it's so much a part of their lives and the language that they speak. You know, and you feel like you're really tapping into that with this one. Yeah. I, I had this wonderful opportunity to work with a, a wonderful Shakespearean actor from Stratford, Douglas Campbell. And uh, 
when we did uh, A Midsummer's Night Dream, he said, you know, you realize that Oberon and the king and Titania and the queen, they're one and the same. It's Earth, people on Earth, and then it's those same people in the magic realm and in heaven because we live in both of those places at the same time. And I went, whoa. <laughs> That's right. That's we right. live in both of those places at the same time, our earthly life and our spiritual life, and they are both together. And we manifest them in that way. And he just opened this big door for me. Plus, he was a wonderful, weird uh, director. That's perfect, though. <laughs> that's, that's perfect, though, because I feel like that's exactly what that piece does. That's exactly what it gets at for me like mm. when, when I hear it, you know. And also, your reading of it is terrific. Thank you. Well, I wrote this in uh, April of 2018, and I think it was um, you know, the beginning of the sort of the Me Too woman's movement, mm -hmm. and um, that movement spoke to me in my, I, I think it was sort of my response to that. Um, huh. Yeah, uh, somewhat. You know, but we all write from from all the all the stepping stones, the baggage, if you want to call, that came before us. You know, that make us who we are today. Would we change it? Do we regret it? No. You know, that's great because sometimes when people say uh, you should write about what you know, they don't necessarily mean that you should write about you know what you made for breakfast this morning. You know, because like you know what you know, your experience, your history, mm -hmm. whatever it is, is going to inform what comes out, you know, uh, and you just like listed this whole group of different influences that led to the making of this work. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. <laughs> well put, sir. <laughs> All right. Um, on that note, we are just about at time. Katie Doyle, you are amazing. Bobby Bermia, you are amazing yourself, and it has been a pleasure to be with you, and um, I'm just thrilled that we had an opportunity to talk. Right. And uh, there is no reason why we can't do it again. No reason at all. And no reason why when this theater opens up again, too, which it, I believe it has now, mm -hmm. that uh, we should all go and see Profile and, and more theater. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the plug, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Got to do it. Gotta thanks, do Bobby. It. Appreciate it. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. I want to give a special thank you to Katie Doyle for sharing with us her uh, intimate and powerful and spiritual work. And then, of course, our production team, Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A.K. Gagno, sound engineer, um, Rodolfo Ortega, composer, um, Sam Mowry and the Willamette Radio Workshop, the recording engineer. Um, the Willamette Radio Workshop exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea. Thank you for joining us for Voices from the Real World. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World on our other podcast, Satellite Beyond the Page. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out. Bam. <laughs>